I seek refuge with Allah, I'm Satan the Accursed, in the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Merciful. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the breakfast of the Voice of Islam with Imam Fadid Ahmed and myself, Fadid Ahmed. The time is approaching four minutes past seven. It's Friday the 18th of November 2022. Uh, we have a very packed program once again on the breakfast show this morning. Uh, and uh, there is uh, going to be an opportunity, as always, during the course of this program, any time for uh, our listeners to contribute and share their thoughts uh, with us. Uh, if you'd like to do this, uh, all you need to do is to pick up the phone, dial 0208-687-7878, or you can use a more modern method of communicating. Use the Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is uh, Voice of Islam UK. Uh, we'll be uh, cooking, kicking off in a few minutes' time with the uh, with the weather from Imam Farizam. And then after that, we'll be looking at uh, some of the news stories that are kicking around in the wider media. Um, not spending too many, uh, too much time on each, but trying to rattle through as many stories as we can. And also trying to uh, look at the Islamic angle uh, that can be shared uh, with some of them. So that's also going to be uh, um, something that uh, we will try to do in the first part or the first half hour of the program. Uh, as uh, most listeners who are familiar with this broadcast would know, we do hone in on two particular topics that uh, we focus upon. Uh, this morning we are going to be looking at, first of all, um, the topic that relates to sleep and work and work aspirations of women in particular. Good sleep can increase women's work ambitions is the title of this first topic, uh, something we picked up from the Science Daily website. Uh, so we'll be discussing that between 7.30 and 8.15. Uh, we don't have any specialist contributors uh, doing that part of the program, so our listeners would be encouraged to uh, chip in uh, with their knowledge and their thoughts about that. Uh, particular item so we look forward uh, to that uh, and as I said we'll be looking at that between 7.30 and 8.15 so do make sure you tune in during these times if you're interested in that particular topic so the number to dial once again is 0208-687-7878 and the Twitter handle is Voice of Islam UK moving on to the second uh, main topic it is one lo that looks uh, at life and death issue. Uh, the subject of this uh, topic uh, is, uh, well, the title is Vitamin D Deficiency uh, Linked to Premature Death. Uh, so uh, apparently if uh, you are not mindful of your vitamin D levels, then uh, you, could lead, uh, you could lead yourself to an early Early, early death, so it would be interesting to explore this. Uh, we will be looking at it from 8.15 onwards. Uh, and to further our understanding of this particular topic, we expect to be speaking to Dr. Talal Rashid. Uh, Dr. Talal Rashid uh, has a PhD in molecular biology and uh, is a medical advisor in the pharmaceutical industry. So uh, clearly lots to cover, lots to do. And as always, we shall have a full review of the Islamic angle to all we discuss from our leading uh, Imam, uh, Imam Farid Ahmed this morning. 
uh, and uh, we'll be looking at uh, these issues from that perspective as well. So without further ado, let's kick off with the weather. Imam Farid, what do we have in store uh, during uh, the oh, yeah. this today and the coming days? So it says that today, heavy rain will continue across much of Scotland today, with showers from North England. Southern areas of Britain and Northern Ireland will see sunny spells with a few showers in southwest. And tonight, a cold night for much of southern Britain and Northern Ireland with a frost likely under clear skies. Skies will clear northwest Britain, but North Sea coasts will remain cloudy with showery rain. There's going to be lots of rain. So quite wet then, yes. Yep. Mm, okay. So it's uh, umbrella Cold time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> umbrella <laughs> time. Yeah. Okay. Um, Get your umbrella out. Rain was predicted. I don't know whether uh, you were following the uh, T20 World Cup finals, but rain was very much predicted uh, over the weekend, last weekend, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And that uh, there yeah. would be rain, and there was uh, there was concern that the the final that was taking place between Pakistan and England would not, in fact, take place because rain. I remember looking at one of the forecasters as to the uh, percentage possibility of rain, and they were saying on Sunday it's a hundred percent that it'll be rain, it'll be raining, and on Monday it was a hundred percent it would be raining, and that meant that the uh, that the uh, trophy would be shared, but that didn't quite happen. I oh, am yeah. so basically the I saw a video on Twitter as well. Mm. Someone faked it, and then it was another city in Australia which was raining. And he just posted it for, I think, 10 seconds video. But, yeah, you're right. The prediction was around 80, 90 to 100%. Mm. But on that day, it didn't happen. Now, the ICC, they had to change the rules as well. They said that, okay, if, let's say, it rains on Saturday, uh, Sunday, then we're going to have a, we're going to complete the overs on Monday. So it's going to be a reserve day. And let's say if, if we have minimum of 10 overs on Sunday, then minimum, then we're going to have... 10 overs on Monday as well. But if less than that, even then the trophy would be shared. Oh. We need to have a minimum 10 overs. So mm-hmm. at least you're going to have some sort of a game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean... Yeah, we did have a game. We did have but a game. Pakistani supporters yeah. regretted that. They we did have, <laughs> yeah, quite a intensive mm. game. Mm. But yeah, competitive stuff, but... Yes. Yeah, the better do side s- won. Do, do you think that if... if uh, I think one of the... Um, uh, features of that particular match was that the the lead bowler for Pakistan got injured after two overs, didn't he? Yeah, it was a setback. think that was a factor? Yeah, it was a setback. And then mm. England still would have won, but it would have been much more difficult, I would say, because mm-hmm. that over changed the game mm-hmm. in the favour of England. So yeah. Yeah, yeah give, he had a inj- uh, history of injury as well, oh, just before the World Cup. Right. So he got injured with a knee injury and then after taking a catch, he again went down, uh-huh. came back, bowled a delivery, mm. and then he said, no, I can't do it, uh, went out. Then someone had to complete the over, and that was a bit of a... I see. Because I only yeah. saw so brief highlights of it, so I didn't see the details uh, match. Don't have that much time to spare, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh, what's your... Um, the the uh, FIFA World Cup is uh, yeah, uh, starting this weekend. Yep. So, uh, are you are you interested in football? Do you uh, take an interest? 
I start watching when it's quarterfinals, <laughs> when the quarterfinals okay. start. So, so are you familiar who the uh, the leading teams are? Who you think uh, uh, are likely to do well? Not that good. And not, I don't follow football that much, but mm-hmm. I do know it's European teams. You're familiar with the, some of the players, Messi and yeah, yeah, yeah I know. And Ronaldo so and, and Kane. As far as I know, as far, mm. as far as the history of, you could say, World Cup is concerned, the six teams from Europe, like England, France, Spain, Italy, and then from, you could say... Portugal. Uh, Portugal as well. Mm. Then uh, the... <coughs> Southern America, oh Brazil, right. mm-hmm. Argentina, Chile, Paraguay, they, uh, Uruguay as well. Mm, they Ecuador. qualify for the yeah, mm. Yeah. Mm. they qualify for the World Cup every year and they do well almost well mm. every time. Mm. And that these are the main countries. Apart from that, some other countries also qualify every year, but they don't perform that well. No, so no, no. I mainly know about the European countries. That's okay. mainly it. Yeah. All right. And you think one of them is going to lift the trophy, or do you think it's going to be a South American? A safe guess would be South American oh. countries or mm-hmm. European countries, but you never know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think America also once did very well. Mm. They went into mm. top 16, but obviously mm-hmm. then... Mm. They they were they lost the mm-hmm. uh, that round, but they did mm-hmm. well. Uh, would you say England have a chance? England had a chance uh, mm-hmm. last time around, so I'm hopeful. Okay, <laughs> might <Well>. come home. <laughs> no, right. Okay, um, <coughs> let's move on to some uh, uh, more serious stuff, I suppose. Um, um, that's one news that uh, I caught my attention was uh, Jeff. Bezos, Jeff Bezos, uh, is the founder of Amazon. And this was reported in uh, one of the newspapers that uh, he was pledging to give away most of his wealth to charity. He's worth about uh, $124 billion, uh, according to uh, Bloomberg. Um, and uh, he's going to give away all his wealth to charity. That's what he announced. And the charities he selected are those that are geared to fight uh, climate change, and uh, those that are focused on bridging uh, political divides. And uh, he is uh, reported to have said, we have big problems in the world, and the way to get big problems done is to work together. Well, yes, it's simple, true, yeah. Um, not very deep, I suppose, but anyway, uh, that's what his view is. And he, he would no doubt leave enough for his four children. He's got three boys and a girl. Uh, but when pressed, he said that he would distribute the majority of it during his lifetime. Uh, last, last year, he committed uh, $10 billion, uh, over 10 years to Bezos Earth Fund, which he co-chairs with his uh, current partner, Lawrence Sanchez. Uh, this need of giving their riches away by the wealthy is not uncommon. Some of America's richest people signed a giving pledge committing to give away at least half of their fortunes during their lifetime. Uh, The initiative was begun in 2010, and it included Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, uh, again, very wealthy individuals. Uh, Now, this attitude to wealth is a noble one. It stems from not knowing what to do with so much money and the realization that no matter what you do, it is so much that you cannot spend it purposefully on yourself in a given lifetime. And it reminds me of what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once said, He said, the son of Adam says, my wealth, my wealth. Do you, son of Adam, own anything of your wealth except that which you eat and consume? Uh, 
or that which you wear and wear out, or that you give in charity. It means that apart from what you're able to consume or wear in this life, the only wealth you can claim your own is what you are able to give in charity because it is charity that will serve you in the hereafter. And another saying of the Holy Prophet that uh, bears some relevance also is that uh, when the Holy Prophet stressed the importance of giving giving to charity, he said that uh, giving charity to save yourself uh, from the punishment in the, in, the, in the hereafter, the exact words translated are, guard yourselves against hellfire even with half a date. So those philanthropists, I'm sure, would gain comfort for building themselves firm protection from the fire of hell by giving their fortunes away. Uh, these are, it has to be stressed, figurative expressions that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has used. But the spirit of what they are indicating should not be lost. Giving in charity is a virtue, and virtue leads to paradise. So that was one story that uh, took my fancy. The other one was uh, this one relating, again, it was something that was uh, in uh, the times of uh, Tuesday this week, uh, and it was uh, discussing the topic of the Great Filter. Now, the Great Filter is an idea proposed by Robin Hanson. Uh, He's an economist who contemplated on the possibility of life on other planets. Now, he said that the reason life had not been found beyond Earth uh, was that there was a threshold at which it fizzles out or self-destructs. So he's basically agonizing over the issue that we have not been able to locate life ourselves on any other planet. Neither has life anywhere else been in touch with us. So why is this this silence? And he's proposed the uh, hypothesis or the theory of the Great Filter. Uh, And he says that um, uh, it is the reason that uh, life, when it reaches a certain uh, stage, self-destructs, is the reason why we do not have anybody uh, that is in contact with us or we're not being able to contact anybody ourselves. Uh, now, astrophysicist at the uh, Californian Institute of Technology, Dr. Jian, picks the subject up and writes, we postulate that an, uh, that an existential disaster may lie in wait as our society advances exponentially towards space exploration, acting as a great filter which wipes out civilization before they can encounter each other, which may explain the cosmic silence. Now, not all scientists subscribe to uh, the uh, great filter theory. Seth Shostak, a senior astronomer at the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute, he dismisses the idea, saying, uh, when he's uh, poo-pooing the great filter protagonist, he says, the argument is simple. We don't see any aliens, consequently something must have happened to them. If we think we are the only intelligent species within our purview, within hundreds of thousands of light years, then we are some sort of miracle. I don't buy it, he says. In science, if you think you're special, you probably aren't. So this is the debate that is uh, currently taking place. 
uh, as I said, was expressed in the Times this week. Uh, but the Quran, uh, we would say, has already settled the issue. There is extraterrestrial life, and when God wishes, we will come in contact with it. Therefore, be patient. And on this, we can draw uh, on verses from the Holy Quran. On the existence of extraterrestrial life, the Holy Quran says, this is in chapter 42, verse 30, uh, and the translation reads, and among his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth, and of whatever living creatures he has spread forth in both. So the word uh, that has been translated as creatures is daba. Now, it covers all animals which creep or move along the surface of the earth. It does not apply to animals which fly or swim, and it certainly does not apply to any form of spiritual life. So it is definitely referring to tangible, real creatures that exist uh, elsewhere. So they exist, uh, as the Quran indicates, both in the heavens and the earth. And as far as coming to contact with uh, those creatures is concerned, the verse goes on to say that same verse. It says, And he, in other words, Allah, has the power to gather them together when he will so please. This means that Allah will bring together the life in heavenly bodies and the life on earth when he so pleases. And the phrase used for bringing together jamihim uh, is the Arabic expression, uh, which uh, specifically speaks of bringing together of life on earth and the life elsewhere. When this meeting of the two will take place is not specified, nor is it mentioned whether it will happen here on earth or elsewhere. One thing, however, is definitely stated. This event will most certainly take place whenever God desires. And it should be kept in mind that the word jama can imply either um, contact that is uh, physical or contact that is by way of uh, communication. <coughs> Only the future will tell us how and when such contacts will take place. Isn't it amazing a question that is agonizing scientists today was considered by the Holy Quran and answered 1400 years ago? And like so many other prophecies, time will show the truth of the verdict of the Holy Quran and we will come into contact with life on other planets in the future. So don't fret, don't have misgivings about the great filter and being wiped out. Any life does exist and our contact with it is assured when Allah so pleases in the future. Uh, up any anything that has caught your uh, attention? Mm, I was reading, <coughs> well, it was been explained in the news as well earlier that uh, the Twitter locks staff out of the offices until next week. Oh, yes. Oh, and it says that, uh, according to BBC, the workers were told that the offices would reopen on Monday, the 21st of November. It did not give a reason for the move. The announcement comes amid reports that large number of staff were quitting after a new owner, Elon Musk, <coughs> called on them to sign up for long hours at high intensity or basically leave. Mm. The message went on to say that please continue to comply with the company policy by refraining from discussing confidential company information on social media with the press or elsewhere. It says, hi, effectively, effective immediately. We are temporarily closing our office building and all badge access 
will be suspended. Offices will reopen on Monday, November 21st. Thank you for your flexibility. Please continue to comply with the company policy by refraining from discussing the confidential company information on social media with the press or elsewhere. We look forward to work to working with you on Twitter. It's exciting future. That's from uh, the message from Twitter, uh-huh. the official message. And then it says that uh, the Twitter did not immediately re- respond to the request of the comment from BBC. In this, wo- this week, Mr. Musk told Twitter staff that <coughs> they had to commit to working long hours and would need to be extremely hardcore or leave the company, according to the reports. In an email to staff, the firm's n- new owner said workers should agree to the pledge if they wanted to say if they wanted to stay the washington post reported those who did not sign up by thursday 17th of november would be given 3 months says uh, severance pay mm-hmm. uh, months uh, months severance pay uh, mr musk said earlier this uh, month the company said that it was cutting around 50% of its workforce so a lot of people are going to leave yeah. that's what i that's right. a day you could say changes. likely yeah big mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. and it further says that today's announcement that twitter had temporarily closed its offices came am, uh, come came amid signs that large number of workers have now also resigned as they have not accepted mr musk's new terms and the employees have been tweeting using hashtag love where you worked and a s- saluting emoji to show that they were leaving the firm. Well, quite ironic. Okay. Mm. And so furthermore, <laughs> it says one former Twitter worker who wished to remain um, anonymous told the BBC that I think when the dust clears today, there's probably going to be less than 2,000 people left. Okay. So, so a lot of what's the work chopping and cutting. What's the normal workforce there? Any mm. idea? Is it about ten thousand or something mm. like that? They said that before Twitter took control, mm. uh, the before company Musk had around yeah. In, uh, uh, sorry, Elon Musk yeah. took control of Twitter. The around he said that around seven hundred seven thousand rather oh, seven thousand okay. five hundred people were employed. So it's going to go down from that mm-hmm. to well, less than two thousand. Uh, mm. oh, okay. Chopping and changing. Yes. Yes. So he's, uh, he's creating quite a, quite an upheaval there, uh, Mr. Yeah. Musk. Yeah, we'll see what uh, what uh, transpires. Um, yes, now this story is also quite interesting, bull baiting. Now this is uh, the disturbing incident that was covered by one of the main newspapers this week. Uh, it's uh, something that took place in Spain <coughs> where bullfighting is still a legitimate sport. Uh, a variation of this was filmed at the Toro de Jubilo Fiesta in uh, Medinacelli in the northern Castilla, uh, Leon region last weekend. Uh, here, uh, a bull seen with blood around its mouth and its tongue hanging out was dragged into a ring by a rope. It was tied to a post by its head and uh, some material was put on its horns and set on fire. Uh, the horns were set on fire, apparently. Uh, it's not an uncommon practice at such fiestas. Uh, crowds cheered on observing the animal struggling. Its legs were trembling. It was hyperventilating. And it eventually succumbed, uh, exhausted under the strain. 
drawing size from the 2,000 strong uh, sadistic crowd, some would say. Um, it is amazing that such um, occurrences are happening lawfully in Western Europe, uh, which is supposed to be a bastion of modern civilization. Uh, not long ago, less than a few hundred years ago, burning cats alive was a form of entertainment in 16th century France. And also popular were dog fights, bull runs, cock fights, uh, public execution of criminal animals, and bear baiting, in which a bear would be chained to a post and uh, dogs would tear it apart or be killed in the effort. And part of the reason for this is because uh, people of the time did not think that animals could fear that they were sentient building uh, beings. This uh, 17th century philosopher René Descartes uh, went as far as to say that animals could not feel pain at all. They were like machines that reacted as a machine would when set upon. And this is the accepted thinking in 17th century Europe and what is some 300 years ago only. Now, yet 1400 years ago, Islam had put forward a different and a much more uh, illum illuminated teaching about animals. Uh, Islam uh, indicated that animals did feel, they did sense pain, they did have to be treated with care. And it was the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, no less that exemplified this teaching. Uh, he forbade animal fights. He forbade a living creature to be used as, as target practice, for instance. Animals felt pain. Branding them on their faces was not necessary. Use the haunches instead, he taught. Once he passed by a camel whose belly was drawn up to its back, and he admonished, fear Allah in the matter of these dumb animals. Ride them when they are in good condition and slaughter them for meat when they are in good condition. And the crucial point here was the Holy Prophet was advising that we would be answerable to Allah if we showed cruelty to animals. We should fear him, Allah, when treating animals. He used to relate the instance of a Jewish woman who was punished by God for having starved her cat to death. He also used to relate the story of a woman who found a dog suffering from thirst near a deep well. She took off her shoe and lowered it into the well and thus drew up some water. She gave the water to the thirsty dog to drink. This good deed earned her God's forgiveness for all her previous sins. Such was the impact of this one deed, this act of kindness to an animal. Abdullah bin Masood, the companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, relates that during the course of a journey, someone had captured two young doves from a nest. When their mother returned to the nest, not finding her little ones in it, she began to fly frantically and wildly, round and round. When the Holy Prophet noticed what was going on, he was very displeased and ordered that the young be put back immediately. The dove had feelings. To disturb them in this way was wrong. And for fear of God, the situation had to be rectified immediately. So while we live in the days of the RSPCA in modern times and animal rights, when the kind of cruelty st uh, still persists in certain parts of Europe to animals, let's not forget who first championed the cause of animal welfare. It was that Arabian prophet 1400 years ago who claimed he had brought a teaching from on high judging objectively and dispassionately of what he had to offer just by this example. How can we deny his claim?
Would you freeze up anything that you want to share? Um, not, nothing more than that. Nothing more? Well, we've had the autumn statement uh, uh, yesterday. So once again, big news is something that is uh, delivered on a Friday morning. Uh, and so it is with this. And uh, this uh, was one that, um, uh, a statement that um, was quite uh, sobering in many ways. It repeated certain unpalatable to home truths. The fact that we are in a recession and there is a global crisis and uh, tough times lie ahead. Uh, to uh, the Chancellor's credit, uh, the measures uh, introduced catered to look after those who are most vulnerable. Hence, uh, a time uh, at a time when inflation is at 11% uh, and is biting into spending, both pensioners and those on benefits will see their income rise uh, in line with that figure. So that's a, a welcome initiative. At the same time, those who are working and paying tax uh, will find their taxes rising. The threshold at which you start paying tax is going to be fixed at uh, is it 12,500 or 12,500 odd. And those earning large amounts will find uh, uh, themselves paying a 40%, 45% on earnings above 125,000 rather than 150,000 pounds, leading those who can pay more to contribute that much more. Uh, extra funds for the NHS and the education uh, were also um, stated, uh, very much welcome. Uh, critics say uh, that while some of uh, the vulnerable pensioners and those on benefits uh, are being catered for, nothing is being uh, done for those who are on low wages, like the nurses and those threatening to take industrial action. Shadow Chancellor Rachel, uh, Rachel uh, Reeves uh, pointed out uh, that uh, non-DOM tax loophole uh, also needed to be exploited, and it wasn't. Uh, this is where investors can earn money in this country but not have to pay tax here. Uh, she said that uh, uh, that possible uh, tax stream uh, could be utilized, as was gleaning more from the windfall tax on energy companies. That's another criticism she uh, she put across uh, as far as the budget was concerned, or the autumn statement to be exact was concerned. Currently, uh, when it comes to windfall taxes, uh, companies can escape the extra levy by investing their profits on on uh, new new sources. Uh, that kind of concession could uh, should, according to her, she was indicating, uh, should be reined in. Uh, it would not be inappropriate for um, well, it would not be appropriate uh, for a, a non-political station like ours to take sides either way, whether we take uh, the side of Rachel uh, Rachel Reeves as to what she said, or uh, the Chancellor, um, um, uh, Mr. Hunt, uh, in what he said. But uh, certain basic principles need to be acknowledged that we would say uh, are very much uh, Islamic, the key being that those in authority, uh, like governments, have a responsibility to cater for all their subjects, especially the most vulnerable. That famous saying of Hazrat Umar, peace, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, when he said when he was the head of uh, state, um, illustrates this. He said that even if a dog dies of starvation on the banks of the Euphrates, it was a far-off place from where he was, but it was under under his jurisdiction. He said that even if a dog dies of starvation on the banks of the Euphrates, Umar is responsible for dereliction of duty. So any announcement that removes the agonizing choice 
expected to be faced by many of heating or eating would be welcome. Also, those who are more affluent uh, can uh, and can pay more should be made to feel good in the in the fact that they are able to uh, contribute more um, uh, to society and to the welfare of those less fortunate. It should be considered or should not be considered a punishment, but as a positive opportunity. So these kind of, uh, I suppose, sentiments that uh, are rooted in Islamic teaching uh, would not be out of place to be uh, mentioned when we are looking or reviewing the pros and cons, the the value um, uh, and the benefit of the the budget and uh, the measures that... uh, it uh, that uh, have been taken or expected to take, but all in all, um, I know that um, uh, reviewing the papers today, uh, there is a lot of doom and gloom about what uh, is in uh, what lies in the future as far as the UK is concerned. It seems that the recession is going to be a long, probably two years, uh, and it is um, going to bite. So um, let's pray. And uh, let's uh, hope that uh, uh, that um, better days lie ahead uh, than than predicted. Right. So that's uh, I think uh, enough of uh, what's taking place elsewhere in the uh, uh, in the country in the news. Um, we now need to uh, focus. Oh, uh, look at the uh, main uh, stories that we are going to be uh, reviewing. The first of these is about uh, uh, good sleep can increase women's work ambitions. Something that uh, was mentioned or related in the Science Daily. And uh, it refers to a study uh, that indicates that sleep quality impacted women's mood and changed how they felt about advancing uh, in their careers. Meanwhile, men's aspirations were not impacted by sleep quality. The researchers discovered this finding in a two-week-long survey study of 135 full-time workers in the United States. Each day, the participants first noted how well they had slept and the quality of their current mood, and then later in the day how they felt about striving for more uh, status and responsibility at work. Both men and women reported good and bad sleep quality over the course of the study, notably with no gender difference in reported sleep quality. However, women more often reported lowered intentions to pursue more status at work on days following a night of poor sleep. Now, some of the discussion points that uh, emerge from this, well, let's look at one or two of them. Uh, The researchers discovered this finding in a two-week-long survey study of 135 workers in the United States. Each day, the participants first noted how well they, they had slept and the quality of their current mood. Now, I suppose one, one comment that can be made is that the sample is quite low. It's only 135. We would expect uh, greater credibility uh, to this finding had there been uh, a, bigger, a bigger sample. And the other uh, comment that one can make is that 
it is very much a, a subjective uh, a conclusion that is being sought, a, con- uh, a, sub- uh, um, a subjective um, uh, result that is being sought, um, and it cannot really be uh, be measured uh, other than uh, how somebody feels. Uh, uh, now, <coughs> Shepherd, uh, the lead author, uh, Leah Shepherd. Uh, said that if their sleep is poor and reduces their positive mood, this is uh, with regard to the the ladies that were mentioned, then we saw that they were less orientated towards those goals, those goals of uh, um, 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 improving their their standing or their status. For the study published in the journal Sex Roles, uh, Shepard and co-authors Julie Kmack of WSU and Tang Latloy of University of Minnesota surveyed full-time employees twice a day for two consecutive worksheets for a total of more than 2,200 observations. The participants answered questions about their previous night's sleep and current mood around noon every day and in evenings answered questions about the intention to pursue more responsibility, status, and influence at work. Both men and women reported good and bad sleep quality over the course of the study, notably with no gender difference in reported sleep quality. However, as mentioned before, women more often reported lower intentions to pursue more status at work on days following a night of poor sleep. The researchers can only speculate about exactly why sleep's impact on mood affects women's aspirations and not men's. But they suspect it may have to do with gender differences in emotion regulation, as well as societal expectations, or some combination of the two of these forces. Neuroscience research has shown that women tend to experience greater emotional reactivity and less emotion regulation than men. And this can be reinforced by cultural stereotypes of women as more emotional. <coughs> At the same time, stereotypes of men are being more ambitious than women uh, likely add more pressure for them to scale the corporate ladder. So perhaps poor sleep quality would be less likely to deter men from their work aspirations. These findings hold some good news for women who want to advance their careers, though Shepard said, uh, for instance, they might have uh, some practical steps to improve work aspirations, uh, ranging from practicing meditation to help with both sleep and emotion regulation to putting better boundaries on work hours and, of course, simply striving to get better sleep. It's important, uh, she said, to be able to connect aspirations to something happening outside the work environment that is controllable. There are lots of things that anyone can do to have a better night's sleep and regulate mood in general. So that's basically what uh, Science Daily has to offer uh, regarding uh, good sleep and women's uh, work ambitions and the fact that it impacts uh, that particular feature more than it impacts on men. Uh, but there is an Islamic perspective to this. Uh, there is an is- Islamic, something that is relevant, we can find in Islamic teaching. So um, for that, it's uh, I'll hand over to Imam Farid Ahmed. Over yeah, to you. So, well, even the Holy Quran as well backs the idea that you need to sleep well. 
It says in the Holy Quran, chapter 30, verse 24, that among his signs is your sleep by night <coughs> and by day. You're, you're seeking his um, bounty in that surely are signs <coughs> for people who hear. So explanation is that one of the signs of Allah is our sleep. As he has mentioned in the above verse, is a limited experience of a life after death. That This theory is further supported by following verse of the Holy Quran where Allah says that <coughs> Allah takes or God takes away the souls of human beings at the time of their death and during their sleep of those who also of those also that are not yet dead sleep then he retains those against which he has decreed death and sends back to others till an appointed and appointed term in that surely are signs for the people who reflect that's chapter, chapter 39 verse 43 and furthermore it says that O ye who believe seek help with patience and prayer surely Allah is with the steadfast says in the Holy Quran as well and we will try uh, we will try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits but give glad tidings to the patient who when a mis uh, misfortune overtakes them say surely to Allah we belong and to him we will return it is these on whom are the blessings from your uh, from their Lord and mercy and it is these who are rightly guided says in the Holy Quran as well chapter 2 verse 156 to 158 and um, in the final you can say part of the Holy Quran uh, I don't remember the chapter actually uh, uh, but the verses are that you need to and the translation of these verses is that you need to sleep though so the, uh, the verse is that the night is made for you to sleep and the day is made for you to work hard so these two those two verses as well signify the fact that Allah Ta'ala has given us a time a bit of a timetable and it's a pretty simple one it says that you need to work during the day and you need to sleep during the night and uh, obviously we as Muslims we had to have to follow the Holy Quran and if we don't we see the you can say consequences as it supported by the report as well that if you sleep well you can you will ultimately work well as well and furthermore it says that uh, all living things require rest after activity because activity entails wear and tear on the living tissues and rest means their repair during sleep worn out cells are replaced and waste products are eliminated not only that do humans and human beings and animals require sleep but plants as also stand in need for of it this is well amplified in the case of sunflower which opens its petals at sunrise and closes them at dusk now i was watching a documentary where they asked two of their presenters not to sleep for more than 24 hours straight so they were not allowed to sleep even for a minute in in that period and they were not allowed to take drink or coffee as or any other stimulants like sugar as well because the idea is that they wanted to test how the body reacts to sleeplessness and stimulants as we know that it helps the body to continue to work even if you, you haven't got a good night's sleep now the presenters were allowed to play games read books or do anything 
other than that to keep themselves busy but they were not allowed to sleep obviously and now the next morning they were asked to drive a car and the test had two parts so firstly it was a challenging course where they had to maneuver the car through putting their and putting their driving uh, skills to the test and the second one was they had to do 25 laps on the track so the first test uh, the two presenters were able to you can say put, put it together and the the results weren't that bad you could say that some you could say after there is after that test that okay i can manage but the second test which on which they had to do 25 laps so it was monotonous as in if your mind thinks that oh it's not that big of a deal it tends to sleep then it tends to rest so during this test they counted how many times the car goes off course and to no surprise the results show that it's highly recommended for you not to drive if you are sleep deprived and this also clearly proves the fact that rest and sleep is vital for normal function of human body and to maintain good health regarding the best time for sleep is evident that night is the best time for it it is not a question of mere custom that people work during the day and go to sleep during the night as explained in the holy quran as well so it's not just a custom nature itself seems to be have made the daylight hours specially suited for work and night time for sleep and rest departure from this natural order causes greater strain in result and results in ill health sleep interferes with the metabolism and stimulates the power of simulation and the prolonged sleep is accordingly injurious to health as well because it favors the absorption of foul vapors that is why a prolonged period of sleep depresses an an individual instead of refreshing and invigorating them invigorating him the advisability of alternating short periods of sleep with short periods of activity is thus clear an important practical point to remember in con- connection with the sleep is that an idea which is present in the mind before going to sleep remains latent in the subconscious mind through throughout the night and unconscious unconsciously molds our thoughts and actions Islam advises the Muslims to stay to say their Isha prayer late evening prayer in the particular in congregation in a mosque and this is a, this is a, this commandment is good as the soul as well as for the human bo- uh, for the body now the sleeplessness can be overcome by concentrating concentration of ideas at bad time factors with which help in concentration and bring on sleep are ablution at bedtime warm bath and hot drinks etc now well not sure if that works in my case cuz uh, <laughs> i cannot sleep sometimes i can do whatever i can i can put on headphones i can have hot drinks tea and all that not sometimes it just never works for me but uh, that's just me mm-hmm. anyways uh, moving on <coughs> have you tried all these things then warm baths uh, uh, hot drinks and uh, mm-hmm. headphones well mostly because uh, of office work uh, mm-hmm. nine hours a day so i'm, I'm tired mm-hmm. enough when i reach home right. but 
some days when I just I'm not my body's feeling you can say active mm. I can have a football match in, in the middle of the night and it won't affect me one bit really and plus I will continue to work on the midday mm-hmm. until midday of the next day so it's not that I'm going to go to an office I'm going to be sleepy straight away so mm-hmm. sometimes it's that it it's a blessing in a way but it's not that good as well sometimes when you want to want to sleep mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. take a rest and the body says okay well mm-hmm. I'm not going to sleep and mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot as in mm-hmm. changing postures and all that but sometimes it just never works so oh okay. it's just me I've asked mm-hmm. a lot of people and they say that well doesn't mm-hmm. happen to them right so Prophet Sallam so if you look at the life of Prophet Sallam as well he was used to sleep during the night and work during the day and he would sleep early in the night and then he would wake up uh, later in the night for tahajjud uh, the the nawafil prayer in during the middle of the night and just before the sunrise just before the morning prayer the fajr prayer and then he would take a nap again in the forenoon some people assert that it's advisable to go to bed late and get up late but this practice is unsound as well as unnatural we find that all the animals and birds get up early in the morning a muslim is recommended to get up early in the morning to say his prayers and this practice is natural as well as helpful healthy mm. for yeah healthy as well now um the holy prophet sallallahu enjoins upon muslims to recite and meditate upon the text of the verse text of the verse of the holy quran entitled as ayatul kursi and the last three chapters from the holy quran before going to bed so these verses are not recited like a charm as will as will be seen they deal with the most sublime attributes of god and as such deeply impress the mind in and the of the individual contemplating of on contemplation of these uh, divine attributes purifies and elevates the soul one seeks protection with god from all evil ideas and mischievous things now this practice is intelligently carried out becomes a great source of moral strength so this uh, also shows the fact that uh, reciting the these blessed verses of the holy quran before we go to sleep is also helpful and uh, furthermore it says that the old adage of after supper walk a mile holds good at all times and islam also advises muslims to say their isha prayer in particular in congregation in the mosque as uh, so it also helps the soul and the body now another thing which i wanted to men uh, explain over here is that a lot of people they work during the night and sleep during the day as in their shifts the the work shifts are like uh, that they have to work you could say they start their work around um, 9 or 10 in the night and they finish around 6 or 5 in the morning and they continue to do it um, years in and they say that we can maintain a healthy mm. life but the point here is that during the day it's not completely silent as in 80 to 90% of the people they're going to be working mm. even your children as well at home wife or 
someone else guests and all that they're going to be talking so uh, even even though a person is sleeping but that sleep is not very you can say healthy in a way mm-hmm. that it's you being disturbed constantly as in you might just put on headphones and all that and might just place a pillow on your head as well just to keep those sounds out but in a way they affect as well and plus in the, during the day allah taala says that it's made for you to work and the night is made for you to sleep so a bit of a you could say spiritual aspect to it as well that you need to sleep early in the night and then wake up early in the morning not early in the morning but in you could say just before the sunrise to offer your nawafil which is good for your you can say uh, spiritual well-being and as mentioned earlier that was a practice of our prophet as well uh, peace be upon him that he would sleep early and then he would wake up during the middle of the night and he would offer some of his prayer and then he would sleep again then he would wake up again for his morning prayer and then he would recite the holy quran and then he would take a nap as well so this is the you could say the timetable which he followed and i think it's the best timetable which we would should follow so well, obviously i understand that some of the like some of the professions where it's necessary for someone to be awake during the night especially this uh, people who do security duty and the people who are working in hospitals so understandably these uh, mainly these two uh, you can say departments they cannot uh, close during mm. the night understandably because uh, you never know who someone can it it's an emergency and someone let's say if he's ill and he needs help during the night so they are available and plus security as well has to be 24/7 mm. but well this uh, but the point here is that apart from these two or you can say these sort of works mostly i've seen that people they uh, they sleep late and uh, they wake early in the morning as well so if you can manage a uh, you can say a 6 or 7 hours of sleep that's fine that's mm-hmm. no problem with it but if you could say yes you're feeling tired during the day then mm. it's advisable for you to mm. sleep uh, for more than you could say 6 um, hours if mm-hmm. you're sleeping less than that because that's uh, not very healthy for your body what's your view of power naps those people who yes who would sleep at night but then they would also have a um, okay and there are two doze off during the day there are two explanations firstly mm. especially uh, the old, the elderly yeah so, mm. so the so firstly what's the common perspective is that it helps and it helps a lot now some even some of the companies as well they have made arrangements i was uh, i heard someone say that yes. that they encourage their workers to take a nap during the break after you could say their uh, lunch break so in order to improve the product- productivity of the work mm. now comes the personal view it doesn't help at all for it me for you it doesn't yeah, help because if i sleep during the day i'm surely not going to sleep during the night so for me uh, some people if let's say if i had to work uh, someone uh, had to work during the night as an overtime for you can say I'm, if i'm working for my community or just had to work um, my boss called me up or anything anything of that sort that had to work late in the night and then i was only able to sleep like let's say 2 3 hours a night at that night so i went to work next day now i came back so 
should I sleep early or should I force my body not to sleep and mm. then I sleep on time? So for me, sleeping, I have I have to sleep less in order to fix my routine. Other people they can they had they can sleep more in order to fix their routine. So for me personally, uh, I would say I would lie down just to take a rest, but nap as in sleeping properly is not going to help. Plus, yeah. the, the the other problem is that mm. I only sleep during the day when I'm tired, and if I'm tired and I sleep during well, the day, I, then I'm sure we can learn more about uh, your yeah. sleeping patterns. I won't be able uh, to wake after, up after the eight uh, after the eight o'clock yeah. news, which is uh, coming very soon. So do don't go away. Stay with us. Peace be upon you, good morning. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show of the Voice of Islam. In the month, Farid Ahmed and myself, Farid Ahmed. The time is uh, three minutes past eight, and it's Friday the 18th of November, 2022. Before the break, we were tackling this particular topic. Uh, the title of it was Good Sleep Can Increase Women's Work Ambitions. We've looked uh, at the study that uh, prompted us to uh, dwell on this particular topic. Uh, it came from Science Daily. And uh, uh, during the course uh, of uh, our discussion, we gravitated to uh, learning more about Imam Farid's uh, sleeping habits and what uh, works for him and what doesn't work for him. Um, uh, you were saying that uh, if you manage to sleep during the day, then you can't sleep at night. But uh, I do remember that it was a practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to actually have a siesta, to have a have a break in the afternoon and sleep. I suppose it's... Uh, something that is common in those in, cl- in countries with those kind of climates yeah, where there is intense heat in the afternoon. And even in Spain as well, they mm. particularly have a thing two, two to three hours a day where, where they just close down the entire country, as I've, as I've heard. I've never been to Spain, but uh, my one of my, you can say, classmates were from Spain, so he was telling me. And the other thing is that even in, you can say, countries like uh, in Pakistan, India, Southeast Asia, they also have a similar pattern. They don't close down the entire country for, you could say, two to three hours, but mostly they sleep during the middle of the day. So from, let's say, 2 p.m. around to 5 p.m., they sleep. And the reason is these uh, hours are the hottest. Mm-hmm. So in, in during the summers, I, could, I remember that it would go up as hot as 46, 47 degrees. So during that time, in you can say the June and July, m- uh, especially, 
the people used to sleep during uh, these three hours. And the idea was simply that it's too hot to work, so they prefer to sleep. Now, what happens in? Uh, you, you, I mean, you've lived in Pakistan. What yeah. happens there? I mean, it gets quite hot in certain places like Karachi now, and. Uh, yeah. Now Karachi, as far as Karachi is concerned, they the winter is mild, and the summer is hot. Yes. For, uh, but mostly in Punjab, not all of Punjab, but mostly in Punjab, the you can summer is hot. And the winter is, you could say, compared to UK, is manageable, but it's cold. For them, mm-hmm. it's cold. Now, the, during the summers, what they do is that they will have, they divide the, you could say, the year, the the part that part of the year into two parts. Firstly, they would have the there's something called a cooler, which, which has a pan, and it contains water, and then they ha- fit a huge fan on it just to you could say take that water vapor out and throw it on the uh, you can say into the, the room the subject which is standing or sitting in oh, front of it oh, in yeah. order to cool it down mm. now in the night they would turn it on and they would uh, place mats on the floor and they would sleep in front of it deliberately just to keep themselves cold mm-hmm. now does it work yeah it does work but mm-hmm. it only works for let's say uh, for 2 months in a year for the next, you can say, for the next part of the summer, for the next four months of summer, they turn, they have to either rely on the fan or the air conditioning. Because the reason is, it uh, when humidity kicks in, and then these water coolers, they don't work. So uh-huh. th- for that, they turn on the air conditioning and, uh, what you call it, the fans. Now, I remember that uh, during the these uh, the hot days, especially from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., my family used to sleep, and I would be waiting for them to go to sleep, and then I would start to work. As in, my work was to, you could say, turn on the TV, because I knew that after school, I'm free for, let's say, until 5 p.m. So uh, instead of sleeping, I would just watch something and all that, because I knew that if I sleep, I won't be able to... And you could bear the heat? Oh yeah. So now the heat uh, won't didn't affect me that much. Mm-hmm. As in, obviously, I had to turn the fan on. But to me, sleeping, uh, my sleep is not affected by heat that much. It does affect is affected by cold. As in, I cannot sleep when it's too cold. But I can sleep when it's hot. So mostly, uh, the temperature doesn't affect my sleep. As in, if I have to sleep, I'll sleep. If I don't have to sleep. I simply can't. I can't mm-hmm. do anything to control mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the. I'm a. You could say I'm a bit of an exception, but mostly for people it does work. So mm-hmm. Sleeping during the the mm-hmm. day it does help. They say that. And what about your other family members? Your siblings, yeah, they, their parents. They, they like can you, sleep no? three times a day. So so okay. So what you have is not inherited. So um, your parents are not like this. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Can, I'm not expert oh, in... So you're a special age. phenomenon. I'm not an <laughs> expert in that, but uh, mm-hmm. I've heard that my, you can say, grandmother was like that as well. Right. But I'm not sure if it's because of the old age mm-hmm. or she was like that when she was young as well. But obviously only when I, you can say, was born, she was already in her 50s, so can't say anything about that. So uh, your your issue is that when you sleep during the day, then you can't sleep at night. Yeah, and there are times yeah. when you can't sleep at night either anyway. Yep. Right. 
And then so this is why I refrain from sleeping during the day. Because mm. I know that sleeping during the night is more, mm. you can say, effective for me. Mm. Well, so, some say, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a mark of intelligence, those people who don't sleep a lot. I don't know. As in, mm. if they are doing something productive during the night, then it surely mm. is. Or if they are wasting time, then <laughs> not sure if that's yeah. true as n- or not. But yeah, for me, as they were, you could say, as explained by the uh, the information we have as well over here, the mm. research that if you try and concentrate your mind, it does help. So for me, what I do is that I would put on my headphones and I would turn on something which uh, s- most of uh, the times I would have, you could say, something which is not that I have to concentrate a lot on it, but it's just to, l- to lighten my mood and to, you could say, help me into thinking that, okay, I'm listening to something which is very pleasant and slowly but surely my mind will go to sleep. So I put put on the holy uh, trans- recitation of the Holy Quran sometimes, the Tilawat, and sometimes I will put on... Uh, a show which is not uh, full of information as in I have to process a lot of it. It's just that someone is speaking and someone else is responding to that so it's uh, in a lighter mood and this is what works for me because then mm. instead of thinking what happened during the day I'm thinking about that uh, the show mm-hmm. and all that and slowly um, my body feels tired and I eventually go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So this is personally what I do. Right. If I'm unable to sleep. Okay. Counting sheep, does that work for you? <laughs> Have you heard that? I've heard that. Uh-huh. Uh, no, that's that a no for me. Okay. <laughs> that's a big fat no for me because the moment I start thinking, I would start thinking about what happened during the day, then what happened during yesterday, and then the day before, and it just goes on. Uh, right. <laughs> yes, okay, no, that's, that's quite interesting. That's... Uh, but perhaps they, they, um, we should have a study on uh, on your sleeping <laughs> patterns and uh, uh, see what we can find there. I wish someone, mm-hmm. any doctor gives me mm. a good advice, but yeah. till then, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, anything else on this subject before we move on? Uh, nothing that I can think of, really. Okay. Yeah. Right. So the, <coughs> the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used to retire uh, immediately after the late evening prayer and uh, get up early uh, yeah. for his uh, voluntary prayer. No, that, yeah, that, that sleep pattern is recommended, uh, especially if you're a Muslim. And the reason is that uh, in the, if you could recall, uh, if you have been to, uh, what do you call it, uh, Hajj or pilgrimage, and Umrah as well, that in Saudi Arabia and places like that, the, the night is cold and the day is hot. So, sleeping early in the night helps. Plus, if you wake up early, mm. then you can utilize that uh, period where it's still manageable. So, it's still cold comparative, compared to something after the 10 a.m. all the way down to 4 p.m. So, mm. if you wake up early, you can utilize that time, which is the best time for work. Now, mm. I've heard, I, was, uh, I heard someone say that he wakes up as early as 2 a.m. in the morning and he starts to, he's a farmer, he starts to work and when it gets to 10 a.m., he stops working and he sleeps. 
so or he takes a bit of rest and the reason i asked him he said that it's too cold it's too sorry it's too hot during the day mm-hmm. that he says that this is the best time because f- he says that i have to work a lot and i have to sweat a lot as well so he, it's not that it's mm-hmm. uh, cold in that in, during that time it's still 30 degrees it's dark odd, though, isn't it yeah it's, it's, it's dark, dark. but he says but flood like with the flood like he can manage okay. now the thing is the, he says that he said that it's not that cold as in it's 30 degrees during the night and 37 to 40 degrees during the day so it's around 5 to 10 degrees cold but it's still better than right in the middle of the day mm. so this is uh, also the point where holy sallam also used to you know say sleep early in the night and then obviously he would work during the day which yeah. is recommended good um, <coughs> it's a nice place to to conclude that particular story yes so this was uh, the story about uh, good sleep can increase women's work ambitions well uh, that was uh, the uh, study that was being reported in science daily um, but uh, uh, we did have something of relevance regarding sleep that we discussed uh, that uh, emanated from uh, Islamic teachings. So that was that particular topic. It means that uh, we have now the opportunity to look at the second of our main topics. It's about vitamin D and vitamin D deficiency apparently is linked to premature death, something that uh, was reported again in the same uh, website, Science Daily. And we hope to be speaking to uh, an expert on this. Uh, the expert will be Uh, Dr. Tala Rashid, he has, uh, he has uh, a PhD in molecular biology uh, and a medical advisor in pharmaceutical industry and uh, serving as the editor of the French edition of the Review of Religions. So uh, we hope to be speaking to uh, uh, Dr. Rashid uh, in the next few minutes. But while we're waiting, uh, let me just um, give you... Um, um, an indication of uh, what this particular report in science daily had to had to offer um, what it says is um, that well the gist is that news research it uh, gives uh, strong evidence that vitamin d deficiency is associated with premature death uh, prompting calls for people to follow healthy vitamin d level guidelines um, so this new research uh, was uh, based in the University of South Australia, uh, and uh, it talks about uh, s- strong evidence that um, about vitamin D deficiency and its impact on, on health. So to discuss this topic further, I'm pleased to note that uh, Dr. Talal Rashid is with us. Thank you very much for joining us on the breakfast show. Can you, can you hear me? Yes, um, I can hear very well. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikum assalamu warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Now, uh, what is vitamin D and what is it uh, beneficial for? What's its function in the human body? So, uh, uh, basically, the vitamin D, the main role of this vitamin is to help the body to absorb calcium from the intestine. So, basically, when you will have... Uh, Um, food um, and drink uh, rich in calcium, um, this calcium needs to go in the blood. And for this, the calcium needs to be absorbed in the intestine. And vitamin D is going to play a major role into helping calcium to be absorbed and to uh, go in the blood. 
Um, and this calcium, as you know, is very important uh, for the bone mineralization uh, to have, let's say, a strong bone, to have a uh, healthy and strong uh, skeleton. So that's why vitamin D will help the calcium to um, to be also used in a way that if calcium is going to in the blood, it will be used then uh, to build uh, the skeleton. So that's the role of vitamin D, to help calcium to be in the blood and to uh, play a role in the bone mineralization. That's the main role of vitamin D. So, so why why would you say its deficiency leads to premature death? If it's just about bones, if it's just so strengthening bones, I'm sorry? Basically, vitamin D uh, has many other roles that are today being investigated and some are being discovered. For example, recent research showed that vitamin D might have a role in uh, in cancer development. Um, uh, A deficiency in vitamin D can lead to uh, the occurrence of more cancers, um, like uh, breast cancer or uh, some research are showing, showing that um, the colon uh, cancer might also be linked to a vitamin D deficiency. So I would say that today uh, we have, let's say, many, many research ongoing, but um, some are making links with new diseases uh, or other with di- diseases and probably much a premature death as well. But it's something that is just starting to be investigated and we have to do more research to understand exactly the role here of vitamin D. Mm. And uh, when you're talking about consuming vitamin D, what foods contain vitamin D? What should you be eating in order to maintain levels of vitamin D? Yeah, the the main source of vitamin D is from sunlight. Because uh-huh. um, uh, on our skin, um, we uh, we have, uh, as you may know, uh, one of the components of the skin is cholesterol. And when uh, the uh, UV uh, uh, light uh, coming from sun hit the skin. Uh, so f- from uh, this, there will be like a, a reaction of conversion from cholesterol that will lead to the production of vitamin and vitamin D3. Uh, and uh, so that is uh, the main source. But today, as you know, that uh, in uh, the developed countries in, uh, or in European countries, uh, there are some months where we have very, very few sunlight. Uh, and we also we are very much uh, into our home or our offices and we don't take time anymore to go out and to enjoy sunlight so that's why we have less production of vitamin D from sunlight so we have to use um, uh, to have to get this vitamin D from other sources so regarding the the food that are rich uh, in vitamin D we have the oily fish like uh, salmon uh, tuna um, mackerel uh, and also red, red meat is also rich in vitamin D, liver, especially beef liver, or, uh, or egg. But as you know, this food, we often uh, doesn't, we don't consume this uh, on a regular basis. So that's why, like, um, what happened is, is that now we have more and more foods uh, where um, vitamin, in which uh, vitamin D uh, has been uh, added. For example, milk, cereal, uh, orange juices. And the manufacturers, they voluntarily enrich this food, this vitamin D, to help reduce the deficiency of vitamin D that we uh, are now uh, we can, you know, uh, observe in, uh, uh, in, I would say, um, European population. So I would say that uh, sunlight is very, very important. So if you have time to go out to enjoy your walk, uh, to get sunlight, that's uh, a very important source of vitamin D. But if you cannot, I think you have to eat this food. 
oily fish, red meat, liver, and also um, to have this uh, this food enriched with vitamin D, like orange juices, milk, uh, and cereal. Mm. Um, there, there are many, it is argued, uh, in the population that are vitamin D deficient these days. Why do you think that is the case? I mean, have we changed our eating habits? Have we uh, ceased to go out as much as we ought to? Why do you think there is this uh, phenomenon now? Yes, I think our ancestors, they were more keen to go out, uh, to to enjoy walking, uh, to do farming, to hunt, to to have uh, outdoor activities. And now, um, I would say since uh, 20, 30, 50 years now, uh, we, didn't, we completely changed our lifestyle. You are like more uh, doing job, um, offices job also, and you are more like, uh, I would say, um, in buildings, uh, in offices, and we can't have the opportunity to enjoy the daylight, the sunlight, so, as I said, uh, one of the major sources of vitamin D is the sunlight. And it's a natural process because we have this ability to produce vitamin D from our uh, skin, uh, from the cluster of our skin. But unfortunately, because our lifestyle changed, uh, I would say very importantly, this uh, last uh, decades. Uh, so now we have to uh, get supplement, supplement of vitamin D or in our food or, we, or now it's becoming like uh, more and more and more. Uh, this, this supplement that we have to buy over the counter in pharmacy, uh, because even though with the food you are not able to, uh, to I would say, uh, normalize the level of vitamin D in our body. So I would say the best advice is to is to really to if you have time to go out to to just enjoy a walk or or run or or, or outdoor activity uh, with uh, alone or with our family for half an hour uh, at least twice a week. Uh, in order to get this uh, vitamin D through a uh, natural process, and if you cannot for uh, X or Y reason, so it's very important to get the supplement. How can you how can you make sure that you have the right amount of vitamin D in your body? Is there any test like you have the for diabetes, you know, sugar test, or anything like that? You can you can employ. Yeah, because it's. Um, uh, we can, you know, measure now the vitamin D level uh, in the blood and also calcium level. Uh, so I think it's a good uh, markers of a healthy uh, level of vitamin D, uh, because unfortunately vitamin D, vitamin D deficiency um, does not lead uh, to uh, direct symptoms uh, related to vitamin D, uh, D deficiency. We can. Um, we can let's have a suspicion of vitamin D, D deficiency if we see uh, bone mineral bone mineral mineralization defect in adult, or if we see that we have a soft uh, bones in adult, uh, or if there are like a, a fracture, multiple fracture, or a regular fracture in adults that can you know uh, lead to a suspicion of vitamin D deficiency. Um, so today I would say that uh, if um, a person does not have bones issues or uh, um, fracture or, or multiple you know, uh, bones uh, issues, uh, um, normally the doctor will not measure uh, vitamin D or calcium level. But if you want, and if you want to be sure that your vitamin D or calcium level is okay, you can ask your GP, you know, just to, to make this uh, this measure, but often doctors does not measure this in the blood unless, unless 
there are like bone mineralization issues or multiple fracture in adults. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the recommended dose then of vitamin D? So the NIH recommends that um, an average daily intake of 20 to 20 micrograms per day. How many micrograms? 20? 20, uh, sorry, 10 to 20 micrograms. 10 to 20, right. Yeah, and you know, like uh, in adults age from, I would say, 20 to 70, the intake should be around 15, and uh, so 10 to 15, and uh, in uh, older uh, adult, so who are let's say um, around 70 and uh, uh, more than 70 years old, they have to take more, uh, so more around 20 micrograms because um, because they are older, um, they they will um, their body will uh, be less intent to produce vitamin D, so they have to get more complements. So uh, 10 to 15 in young adult and 20 uh, in older adults. Mm-hmm. Can you can you can you have um, more? What happens if you take more vitamin D than you need? Yeah, because that, that, that's the main question. Sometimes people uh, might think that you know taking more vitamin D is not harmful because it's vitamin, and regarding vitamin D is uh, it might be very dangerous and toxic to take more than what is needed. Um, why? Because uh, what happens is that vitamin D. Uh, is uh, stored is stored in our body in fat. So if it, uh, a, a person is small and uh, is it, uh, like a, a young adult or, or a child and he's getting like larger doses, so um, this person have will have less available storage because uh, normally uh, small people or you know people who are not obese they have less fat, so they will be able to less store vitamin D. And if we can't uh, store vitamin D, what will happen is that vitamin D uh, will will uh, play its role, which is, as I said in the beginning, uh, to help uh, calcium to be absorbed and to go into the blood. So if we have vit- more vitamin D than required, we will have more calcium in the blood. And if we have more calcium uh, in the blood, so that is very dangerous, unfortunately, and that can lead to uh, like uh, kidney damage, it can lead to uh, uh, toxicity uh, that is manifested by nausea, vomiting, uh, constipation, weakness, sometimes confusion, uh, also and heart uh, heart rhythm uh, issues. So it's very important to not take more than what is required and uh, to be to to respect the dose prescribed by the by the doctor if uh, the doctor prescribed vitamin D supplement and to not take more because that could be very harmful. Mm. Okay, so what are the some of the myths associated with vitamin D and how it's different from other vitamins? Yeah, because uh, one of the, the myths associated with vitamin D is the one that I, I just addressed, is that uh, vitamin D, uh, we can take uh, um, more vitamin D than required and it's not harmful, and that's a myth, that's uh, completely false. Uh, uh, excess of vitamin D is harmful and we should be very careful about this. Other myths associated with vitamin D, we have like uh, uh, weight loss because sometimes uh, some people might use vitamin D because some studies show that vitamin D can lead to weight loss. And uh, this is also something that is uh, not very well established and people should be very um, careful about this and really to uh, to take the advice of the medical doctor because as I said, if uh, some people are taking 
uh, vitamin D just uh, for the first purpose of the uh, losing weight, um, they might take an extra um, dose of uh, vitamin D that they don't need. And as I said, the link between vitamin D and weight loss is not at all uh, well established. Uh, so that's another myth associated, and we should be very careful about this. And then again, uh, we we also address this, and it's very important because sometimes uh, people they they will you know uh, hear about vitamin D because the vitamin D deficiency is quite um, I would say frequent, is not rare at all, and um, sometimes you know people might be scared and they would they will go that. Um, to take a supplement vitamin, vitamin D in pharmacy over the counter because they saw studies link, uh, showing that uh, the link of vitamin D with the cancer prevention and all these things. They might also um, be willing to take uh, more dose because they might think that, you know, if they take more dose, they will have a better immune system, they will have less cancer. So um, we should be very careful about this because, as I said, um, vitamin D is linked to calcium, and if we have extra calcium in our blood, that can lead to many, many uh, other. Uh, that can lead to many uh, toxic effects. And last thing is that we talked about should should everyone be tested for vitamin D? Again, if someone is is healthy, is doing well, uh, if someone has no bone um, um, weakness or bone uh, pain or has no um, not experienced a fracture recently and everything is going fine, there is no need really to. To 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 go and to 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 ask the GP to measure vitamin D, um, because if you are able to uh, to enjoy uh, at least sunlight twice a week, at least half an hour or one hour uh, twice a week, it's already enough. Uh, if you are uh, eating uh, some fish, uh, eating some eggs, eating some uh, um, some uh, fruit rich in uh, in vitamin D, it should be sufficient. Um, in very few cases, uh, I would recommend to to the GP to measure vitamin D. Is like when you have um, intestine diseases uh, or malabsorption diseases or uh, inflammation diseases. Because in that case, uh, the absorption of um, calcium or vitamin D is uh, is not uh, optimal, and that can lead to vitamin uh, D related uh, to vitamin D deficiency and calcium deficiency. So, uh, and also for cancer patients, because cancer patients, uh, patients they also might have a less, um, less optimal absorption of vitamin D and calcium. So in that very, in these very few specific cases, I would recommend to ask, uh, I mean, to the patients to ask for a regular monitoring of vitamin D level. Otherwise, if someone is, is healthy and is going fine, there is no need uh, to ask for vitamin D um, monitoring because uh, that would mean that everything is going pretty well. Uh, yeah, and lastly, can too much be harmful for some with certain conditions? Yeah, because um, as I said, calcium level, uh, I mean, if you, have, if you are taking too much vitamin D, you will have uh, much more uh, calcium in in your uh, blood. Calcium is involved in many many cell processes. It's involved in the muscle metabolism. It's uh, involved in the in the bone metabolism. It's also involved in the uh, hormones metabolism. So if you are uh, taking too much vitamin D, you will have too much calcium level in your blood. And because calcium is involved in many many uh, metabolism process, uh, uh, you will go. Uh, to unbalance 
all this uh, very bal- normally very balanced mechanism and processes. And if if you disbalance all this because you are uh, taking too much vitamin D and you have too much calcium in the blood, at the end you are going to have har- harmful effects. I just mentioned some of them like uh, uh, confusion, uh, heart heart rhythm uh, issues, blood calcium issues. Um, uh, and also nausea, vomiting, all these things. So that's why um, I I said it's very important to uh, to take vitamin D uh, after seeing your GP because he will be uh, he's qualified to, to you know to assess the level you need, and he will be very careful to not give you more than what you need if you have some deficiency. Uh, uh, Dr. Tala, I mean, uh, what would you recommend? How should, uh, how often should we go and get our vitamin D levels checked? Would it once a year or once every six months? I would say that if you think that you have um, some health issues um, and that might be linked to a deficiency of vitamin D, at least you can have one check every six months mm-hmm. uh, because that will be, I mean, it, it's not frequent. One every six months is fine. Uh, and uh, you can ask your GP, you know, just to have like general blood uh, blood test. And uh, when he will do this general blood test, you can ask him to monitor your vitamin D level. Uh, that's very easy to do, and uh, you will have then uh, you will know if you are deficient or not. Okay, well, uh, that was a very comprehensive analysis of the subject. Uh, thank you very much uh, for contributing so much time and uh, lending your expertise to this issue. Uh, and I wish you all the best uh, in the future, Dr. Talarishi. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me Pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Right, um, going back um, to uh, the uh, study that prompted this discussion, it was something that was reported in the Science Daily, uh, and it was research carried out at the University of South Australia. Uh, and uh, it uh, went as far as to say that vitamin D deficiency is associated with premature death and uh, has prompted calls for people to follow healthy vitamin D level guidelines. Uh, The uh, study was published in Annals of International Internal Medicine, uh, and the study found that the more severe the vitamin D deficiency the greater the risk of mortality. Uh, vitamin D, as uh, was explained by Dr. Tala, is an important nutrient that helps maintain good health and keeps our bones and muscles strong and healthy. Um, first author and uh, uh, UniSA PhD candidate Josh Sutherland says why vitamin D has been connected with mortality. It has been challenging to establish causal effects. Uh, while um, severe vitamin D deficiency is rarer in Australia than anywhere else or than elsewhere in the world, it can still affect those who have health vulnerabilities, the elderly and those who do not acquire enough vitamin D from healthy sun exposure and dietary sources. That is what was being uh, said by Dr. Uh, by uh, PhD candidate Josh Sutherland. Our study provides strong evidence, he said, for the connection between low levels of vitamin D and mortality, and this is the first study of its kind also to include respiratory disease-related mortality as an outcome. 
uh, we used a new genetic method to explore and affirm the non-linear relationships that we've seen in our observational settings. And through this, we've been able to give strong evidence for the connection between low vitamin D status and premature deaths. Vitamin D deficiency has been connected with mortality, but as clinical trials have often failed to recruit people with low vitamin D levels or have been prohibited from including vitamin D deficient participants, it's been challenging to establish causal relationships. The Mendelian uh, randomization study evaluated 307,601 records from the UK Biobank Low levels of vitamin D were noted as less than uh, less than 25 uh, nanomoles per liter, with the average concentration found to be 45.2 nanomoles per liter. Over a 14-year period, uh, or uh, over a 14-year follow-up period, should I say, researchers found that the risk of or death significantly decreased with increased vitamin D concentrations with the strong effects uh, seen among those with severe deficiencies. Senior investigator and director of uh, uh, UniSA's Australian Centre for Precision Health, Professor Alina Hypoponen, uh, says more research is now needed to establish effective public health strategies that can help achieve national guidelines and reduce the risk of premature deaths associated with low vitamin D levels. Uh, and uh, the professor says, the take-home message here is simple. The key is in the prevention. It is not good enough to think about vitamin D deficiency when already facing life-challenging situations when early actions could make all the difference. It is very important to continue public health efforts to ensure the vulnerable and elderly maintain sufficient vitamin D levels throughout the year. So that's the study. That's what it had to offer. And as always, you know, we, we do uh, try and uh, also introduce uh, Islamic teachings uh, that have some relevance to what is being discussed. So for that, we have Imam Farid to uh, um, give us some insight into that. Yeah, so the Islamic te Islam teaches us that the condition of the body affects the condition of the spirit and thus great care should be taken to keep one's body healthy and uh, healthy and fit. Islam further teaches that all food should be taken in moderation and nothing should be indulged in to excess. Now the Holy Quran uh, states that, O ye people, eat of what is lawful and wholesome in the earth. That's Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 169. The word used in Arabic is tayyab, which is translated as healthy, clean, and pure. So Allah has recommended that you eat only what is tayyab, and that is, and that is food that is taken and good is, food taken is good and wholesome. Now, the, just on the explanation on tayyab, so tayyab is something which is fit for you, which is good for you. So even if uh, something you like and something is lawful, according to Islam as well, but if it's harmful for your body or it affects you in any way, shape or form, or let's say if you're ill and you cannot 
it's not uh, you cannot take that as in doctors won't advise you to take that so you should refrain from it in order to live a healthy life so in a, in a way uh, it says in the holy quran as well that it's uh, there are four categories mainly the haram tayyib makruh and then uh, you could say halal so out of those uh, uh, halal so the things which are permissible even then even from out of those things you're not allowed to eat all of it so it's not that you should be eating all which is uh, halal or you can say lawful so it categorizes it further that anything which is fit for you so anything which is good for you at that particular time and in that particular situation so this is what uh, the quran teaches us now the teaching of the holy quran further say that about the human diet uh, is that they are based uh, they have a divine relation uh, based on divine revelation now the god is the creator of the machine that is human body and guides the humans to eat and drink all clean and wholesome water milk honey vegetables fruits grains fish seafood and permitted meat of cattle and birds that has created b- for the benefit of the mankind now the holy quran further states that eat of good things that we have provided for you and transgress not therein lest my wrath descend upon you and he on whom my wrath descends shall perish that's chapter 20 verse 82 now the allah, allah the almighty mentions six of the fruits in the holy quran namely the pomegranate uh, grapes figs olive bananas and dates and we and we produce therein therewith gardens of grapes and olive and, pome- and pomegranate similar and dissimilar look at the fruit thereof when it bears fruit and ripens thereof surely in this are the signs of the people who believe surah al-anam verse 100 in the ripe stage of an olive the number of antioxidants with anti-inflammatory and anti-allergy properties increases furthermore the studies have shown that a certain chemical in olive increases the deposi- deposition of calcium in bone and decreases loss of total bone mass a consequence of vitamin d deficiency and the holy prophet uh, peace and blessings of allah be upon him and the whole uh, never ate his full he said that kill not your hearts with excessive eating and drinking and secondly it says that there is no vessel worse for a person to fill than his stomach a few mouthfuls should suffice to keep him on on his feet but if he must eat more then let him fill one third of the stomach with food one third with drink and leave the one third easy for breathing now the third thing is that when you begin to eat pronounce the name of allah the exalted if you forget in the beginning say in the name of allah the exalted the first ex- uh, first in the name of allah the first exalted if you forget in the beginning say in the name of allah first and last now the Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the 4th wrote in his book The Absolute Justice Kindness and Kingship 
about the importance of calcium and how vitamin D is important for the absorption of calcium. A small amount of calcium is needed by the blood and soft tissue, tough tissues to rest and the rest is sorted in the te- stored in the teeth and the bones. If calcium in the blood is in short supply, it replenished it is replenished from the store in the bones. The body adjusts its absorption rate according to the supply supply of calcium in the diet. A low dietary intake means that the absorption is high and the high intake means that the excess will be stored in the bones until an optimum is reached. Then the absorption from the gut is slowed down. The presence of vitamin D increases the absorption of calcium. Hence, in tropical countries, even though the diet may be deficient of calcium, the high level of vitamin D in the body for exposure to sun will make the absorption of calcium more efficient. Regulation of calcium balance in under the uh, regulation of calcium balance is under control of a horm- hormone called parathormone, parathormone produced by the parathyroid glands. The works in conjunction with the vitamin D adjusting the absorption of calcium to meet the bodily needs. In, a, in another hormone which also plays a role in regulation of uh, and the balance of calcium. If there is too much calcium in the blood uh, the calcitonin takes the excess back to the bone and moreover it slows down the absorption from the gut. The God has provided and further says that God has provided man, man's body with another protective system which keeps the balance of calcium in order. The factors responsible for maintaining the delicate balance in the calcium are numerous and inter- integrally interrelated. This monitoring of Correct, corrective system can be linked to the phrase in Surah Shams, uh, verse nine, that uh, taqwa in the in this context, which would mean we have computed into the building material of life instructions concerning the areas of danger to be avoided, as well as the detailed instructions of how they could be avoided. Accordingly, the the calcium balance also has many inherent monitoring systems constantly guarding over it, and whenever necessary, calling for remedial measures. The call is immediately responded by the complex Glandular glandular system, which is well-equipped with the necessary mechanism to create the supply for much-needed remedies. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, So that was the Islamic perspective to this all, Um, this particular subject of vitamin deficiency. Uh, that uh, the study suggested is linked to premature death, although it said this, it has to be uh, mentioned that the study itself said that uh, they were not able to definitively establish a causal relationship between uh, vitamin D and premature death. It was difficult to achieve. Um, but uh, they suggest that there is some kind of a link. So um, either way, um, vitamin D, uh, certainly this was uh, reported by 
by Dr. Salah Rashid, vitamin D uh, is important for maintaining good health and uh, uh, it is something that we should, uh, we should uh, do well to monitor uh, so that um, our health is uh, kept at, uh, at, a, at, a, at a good standard. Um, uh, uh, Imam Farid, I'll be coming to the end. Is there anything that you want to get off your chest uh, well, among the things that we've discussed or among other things that we should have discussed? Uh, not, hmm? Nothing that I can think of. It's just that uh, balanced eating is always rec- recommended. And plus, it says in English as well that excess of everything is bad. And as we've just heard from the doctor mm. as well, that excess of vitamin D is not good for your body. And plus, the balanced diet means that we need to eat everything, not just one type of food. Now, mm. I've heard people saying that we only like meat. Some people say that we only like, like you can say, vegetables and all that. And some say that some we need, we only like to eat this certain type of food. Now, it in you can say it, at first it's very good for your you can say your body as well you feel active and all that but in the long run it's not very good and plus the malnutrition well, as well not very can good. I mean if you just keep keep to one type of food only is, is that what you're saying no uh, no uh, the idea is that uh, the balanced diet is always good for you even if uh, something which you don't mm-hmm. like just eat it for the sake of you can say mm-hmm. balanced diet and just mm-hmm. don't you can say uh, let's say if you don't like vegetables, just don't stop eating them years years in. And you, uh, so, in order to maintain a healthy life, you need to consume mm-hmm. some of it. Okay. Now, some of the vitamins you never know. I'm not an expert in that, but you never know which vitamin is uh, in which you can say quantity in which you mm-hmm. can say vegetable or meat. So you need to have a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. And this is what the Holy Prophet of Islam also you can say, enjoined upon the Muslims. Now, uh, obviously in our society we see that too much sugary food and too much you can, all healthy food, processed food, and then o- only eating meat or only eating, you can say, one type, particular type of food is pretty common these days. So, mm. well, uh, this is what I yeah. had to, yeah. you can say. But well, one thing that, uh, that I was reminded of is uh, this... Uh, guideline by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, about how much you should eat. Uh, this uh, uh, saying that one-third food, one-third water, and one-third empty is not the norm, is it? It's not the default position. The default position is uh, to just uh, eat a mouthful to, so that you can, you can maintain yourself on your, on, your, on your feet. That's what the Hadith you related uh, actually said. So, uh, if you eat, if you want to eat more, then yeah, one third. I mean, uh, so, uh, most, <laughs> people, <laughs> most people think of that as a minimum, one third. Um, Absolutely. Um, yeah. not, but uh, the Hadith uh, dates or the saying the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, seems to indicate that that's the maximum. Um, but uh, people have different. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've seen practices. people, they. You can, they and special occasions, especially you can say where food is good, and they know that at weddings, uh, yeah, at mm. weddings, especially, mm. and plus on special occasions where they know that food is going to be good, and, and special mm. arrangements mm. would be made for the guests to be entertained. What they do is, they, if it's the function is in the night, they will s- deliberately skip 
the uh, lunch. Oh, okay. So they will prepare the body. This is how they will prepare the body. Okay. So preparation for an occasion is you dress well. Mm. But according to them, preparation for an event is not to eat mm. and keep your stomach as you can say empty as it can. And yeah. then the, it says in the the holy, the holy prophet said that uh, only fill up to one third. They mm. fill it. You can say three thirds of it. Uh. So all of it. <laughs> so this is yes. the idea. Yeah. And the common practice we, as so has it happened to you? Has it happened to you that you expected a big meal at a certain function that you uh, may no, have been invited I'm, to and found that? No, uh, I'm not the kind of guy who would skip one meal and then eat a lot. I'm the kind of guy who will eat three times a day. Right. Less or more. I will eat three times a day. That's okay. I don't skip meals. That's uh, that's see. not what I like. Uh-huh. But I know some people they only eat twice a day, and they right. say that we can maintain ourselves. For me, it's three times a day as yeah. it's recommended. So it's yeah, nothing special. Right. Okay. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, we're approaching the end of this uh, particular broadcast. Uh, so as uh, usual, we uh, finish off by thanking those people who have been involved in the production of the uh, show. So, let's start uh, with the producer, Barira Saki Mansoor and Dr. Saki Bamad. Uh, they were all deserving of our thanks uh, for the production of this particular show. Uh, and thanks is also due to Sayyidah Hannah Saud, Saria Bakhtiar and Neha. They were the researchers. Uh, that assisted in the uh, production of the running order. And then uh, let's not forget uh, our um, contributor, special contributor, our expert, Dr. Tala Rashid, who uh, gave us a very valuable insight into the uh, effects and the use of vitamin D and uh, talked about uh, the impact of uh, uh, on the body if there is a deficiency in it and also about why deficiencies have arisen uh, these days. Um, so a very interesting uh, take. Uh, he was also he was able to, to deliver uh, to the show. Um, and uh, let's also not forget our uh, technical help that was supplied by uh, Adnan Ahmed Akib I can never be sure to get that order correct, but uh, thank you to him for making sure that things, as far as the um, uh, technical side of the broadcast, went smoothly. Um, And lastly, but uh, certainly not least, uh, let's thank our listeners for uh, keeping us uh, company and uh, listening to our show. Do join us again uh, for the breakfast show. That's going to be running from Monday to Friday, uh, nine, uh, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock uh, every day during uh, Monday to Friday during the weekdays. So with that, it's alaikum from both uh, uh, Imam uh, Farid and myself. <laughs>